worse if I duped you into giving me all your money mm-hmm. versus me sneaking into your house and stealing all your money? What's worse? Well, I wouldn't hopefully store all of my money at home. Okay. Uh, but, but, sorry, are, you, are you having an asthma attack? What's going on? No. Uh, I would, of course, have many different accounts around the world, and it would be very difficult, in fact, impossible for you to get all my money. Smashing Security, Episode 297, Mastodon 101, and the Hush Puppy Saga, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 297. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. It's a big number, isn't it, Graham? Well, it's a bigger number than last week and the week before, and that's the way numbers work, Carol. They just keep on going up and up until we die, until we drop dead and there's no more podcast. What a shame. Um, Cheery. Cheery. So cheery that we haven't a guest today. No. Today is a very big day in North America, midterm elections and the day of recording. We, We tried to get a leading politician, didn't we, from America to come along and appear on the show, but they were busy. They were busy, so, uh, so it's just us this week. But don't worry, we've yeah. got some good stories. Yeah. Maybe we'll get Joe another week, <laughs> but anyway, never mind. But before we kick off, let's thank this week's sponsors, Bitwarden, Sealit, and Collide. It's their support that helps give you this show for free. Now, coming up in today's show, Graham, what do you got? Mastodon, Mastodon, Mastodon. I'm going to talk about Mastodon. Okay, and I'm going to find out if Hush Puppy is actually now hushed. All this and much more (laughs) on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chum chum, what a big week it has been in the Twitter sphere. Yes. It's all gone very smoothly, hasn't it? I mean, we talked about it last week. Uh, in some depth, the, the turmoil that has been caused by Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. Yeah. Which has had an unexpected consequence. One? I think well, more than well, one. Well, yeah, <laughs> a, a, a number of consequences, a number of consequences. Obviously, the man-child uh, billionaire that is Elon Musk is causing havoc on Twitter with his pronouncements, with his bizarre behaviour, Um particularly in election week. But never mind, let's not focus too much on that. As we all know, at least I I thought I knew, I thought I knew what Elon Musk was spending $44 billion on. Did you? I thought he was spending $44 billion on buying Twitter. Turns out that's not the case. Is it not? No. What's he buying? What he's actually done is he's spent $44 billion promoting another service, which many people won't have heard of before called Mastodon. And Mastodon is a sort of Twitter without all the bad stuff. Well, it's where you go if you liked Twitter, but you're worried that it's Twitter's going down the pan. Right. It's like the next evolution. Well, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I, I, Twitter is evolving at an enormous rate, but maybe not in a good direction. Devolving, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. Curiously enough, Mastodon, of course, is named after a. Um, wasn't the mastodon, wasn't that a great big woolly mammoth or something, I think, in the... Oh, I'm not an archaeologist. I'm not someone who digs up fossils. Don't and, worry, you carry on. I'll find out. All right, you find out if, while I'm talking about this. But anyway, yes, mastodon is an unusual alternative to Twitter, which has proven in the last few days to have enormous success because floods of people, I wouldn't say they're necessarily closing their accounts on Twitter, But what they are doing is they're worried 
and they're trying out Mastodon. So they're worried that, like, how are they going to live? Like, they need to sleep, eat, go to the bathroom, and tweet? Well, well, here's the thing. You can still tweet, obviously, on Twitter. You can do that. But rather than tweeting on the loo, wouldn't you rather toot? Because that's what Mastodon allows you to do. It allows you to toot. Now, I personally don't like the verb to toot. It sounds a little bit like... I don't know what you mean, to toot. What do you mean? <laughs> on Mastodon, the official terminology for a post is a toot. Just like on Twitter, it's a tweet. Right. So, Thanks. That's good. Now I'm not going to look so stupid when I talk right. about it. So Now, I, I personally prefer to say post. And in fact, on my Mastodon app, I've managed to change the button so it says post rather than toot because it just pleases me more, because I'm of, a, I'm of a certain, you know, classy nature. Twittiness, yeah. Yeah, maybe. But um, no, I don't think that's... I think what people are concerned about is a whole, whole variety of things, right? Elon Musk bought Twitter and said, we need to have freedom of speech, right? Mm -hmm. he, he's very big on freedom of speech. And other people have said, um, you know what? You know, Twitter's pretty nasty as it is, even with thousands of people moderating the content and getting rid of the unpleasantness. Do we really want complete free-for-all here. Mm. And what's happened is Elon has fired a lot of Twitter staff, something like 50% of his staff yeah, have gone. Yeah, 3,700 I read. Is it? It's a huge yeah. number, isn't it? Yeah. Huge number of people have gone. Many of them were involved in moderation. It was reported that use of the N-word, I don't have to tell you what the N-word is, uh, we're not going to say it on this show, but use of that rose something like 500% after Elon Musk bought the site, and people began testing just how much they could get away with. So people are concerned there's going to be even more toxicity on Twitter. Plus, Elon, of course, is trying to make money out of Twitter, not only with verified accounts, but he's also looking to monetize advertising more, so to get more information out of you. In fact, one of the ways in which he's actually promoting the verified accounts is saying mm -hmm. if you get yourself your little new blue tick, which you pay maybe $8 a month for, then what we will do is you'll only see half the number of ads. And he's saying, if you pay the money, you'll also, you'll have more targeted ads, he says. The ads will be better, he says, than the ones used for the masses. We know, I think we know about him, that he's not someone who kind of sits around and ponders for very long periods of time before he starts right. sky thinking, right? And yes, that's worked yes. for in his favour in some respects, certainly, but it's also led to some, you know rather insane behaviors. Yes, yes. To me, this sounds fairly logical, though. If he had to purchase something that he didn't mm -hmm. want to buy after he changed his mind and flip-flopped because, you know, he's a high-stakes roller, um, he's going to want to recoup as much money as possible. And he seems to be doing it like crazy, like fire staff, charge people more, everything's going to go great, no one's going to leave. Yeah. Well, people are leaving and people mm. are concerned. And but how many people are leaving? Like 1%, probably not even, right? Well, at this stage, maybe. But what struck me is that I've encountered a number of people over the last few days who've been saying to me, what's this Mastodon thing then? People who work outside of cybersecurity, people who aren't addicted to Twitter. I turned on the radio. I went to the supermarket earlier today. What were they talking about? They were talking about Mastodon on the radio. And I think, if you remember when Twitter became really popular, Twitter became really popular, I think when Ashton Kutcher started going on about it all the time, and it's, it sort of reached that critical mass. Mm. And the numbers of people who've been switching to Mastodon and the impact that's had 
on Mastodon sites with sites slowing down because of the deluge of traffic. I, and I, I've had a Mastodon account for years because I'm a bit geeky and nerdy. And to be honest, for years and years, all I ever did there was... I just love how you, you say that as though the listeners don't know that. All I did was I was tooting at <laughs> Maria Vermasis, the only other person I really knew who was on <laughs> Mastodon, right? Yeah. And so we would exchange toots, right, back and forth. And that would be about it. Now, I am getting more messages on Mastodon than I do on Twitter. I'm getting more engagement, more people replying to my messages. I'm having hundreds and hundreds of new people following me every day on Mastodon. And that's crazy because I had a lot of followers on Twitter, but Mastodon works much better. It seems to be a nicer place. So, but, okay, you you had access to Mastodon for a long time and it took the huge shove of Elon Musk kind of destroying yep. the camp yep. for you to go, okay, then, oh, this is really nice. Like, you've been there a long time and you haven't waxed lyrical till now. No, no, no. I knew it was nice before. And I, I have written about it before and spoken about it before. The problem was there weren't very many people up on it. And it's like many ah. of these sites, until you have a critical mass of people, they don't ah. take off. And it's all that chicken and egg. How are you going to get people to come along if, there's, if they don't know anybody there? It's so a bit you like were, getting... <laughs> you were basically this kid in the sandbox playing on your own with some sand. And now right. there's some other kids now going, hey, you want to play this yeah, I mean, song? Not, look, I, I want to stress, not just me, but there weren't a huge <laughs> number of people. Right. But now their numbers have grown enormously. And every hour, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of new users of Mastodon, which is actually... According to Twitter's own stats, so it produces annual stats of how many users are added every day, Mastodon is getting more users every day than Twitter is. Mm. And of course, people will be leaving Twitter as well because of the ads, because of the messing around with the timeline, not showing you stuff in chronological order, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so, I'm asking a question here. Do yes. you think, I want you to put your uh, name on the line, do you think that Mastodon's going to be the next TikTok? I don't know that it'd be the new TikTok. For old um, people. Oh, yeah, well, exactly. Because <laughs> TikTok's not amazing. <laughs> I don't want videos. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know about that. But I think Mastodon has just become another big player. But an unusual one. Because Mastodon, unlike the Twitters, unlike the Facebooks, is not owned by one entity. It's not owned by one billionaire. It's a decentralized network, which means mm -hmm. no one can ever buy it. No one can ever decide we're going to have ads on it. No one can ever scoop up everyone else's data and information and try and exploit it. And I think people quite like it. Now, as we're seeing lots of people coming on to Mastodon, what I thought would be useful, I know we have a slightly nerdy audience. Well, people who are interested in technology listen to Smashing Security. And I thought it'd be useful, as many of those people might be considering checking out Mastodon, just running through a few of the things you should consider. Right. Okay. Security and privacy-wise. Okay. Some of these are bleeding, blinding, obvious mm -hmm. to you and me. Maybe not to all Mastodon users. And if you've got you know friends and family who are going on to Mastodon, these are things to bear in mind as well. Some of them you may not have realized and are like, whoa, that's a bit weird. All right. So let's begin. Let's go. Here's the most obvious one. Passwords. Yeah, yeah, on, yeah. On Ma All right, all right. On Mastodon, choose a strong, unique password, right? Yes. Don't use the same password, right? Don't use your Twitter password. 
Otherwise, Elon might log into your account. Store it in your handy password vault. I have a password manager, absolutely a password vault. Securely yeah. store your password. So that's, you know, kind of like what we say all the time, isn't it? Have strong passwords, right? But that, of course, is the first step. With Mastodon, you can also enable two-factor authentication, where it's not just going to ask you for your Good. password, it's going to ask you for a one-time, time-based password. And that's generated by an app on your phone or maybe your password manager, et cetera, et cetera. Again, something we talk about a lot. And good that they have it. Yeah. Good that you can do it. And in fact, you can do it even better. You can actually also enable a hardware authentication key. So if you have something like a YubiKey, which you use, and some people who are really concerned about security and privacy have those because it's like an extra step beyond the authentication app. Well, Mastodon handles that too. All right? Cool. Now, this is an important one, which is direct messages. Okay. Now, direct messages, they work differently on Mastodon than you might expect. Are they called direct toots? Uh, no, no, they're called direct messages. Okay. Unimaginatively, <laughs> they could have... They could have had so much fun. So a direct message isn't really private. It's not encrypted. The messages are stored in clear text on your Mastodon server. Everyone logs into it. Well, not everyone, but there's lots of different Mastodon servers. As I said, it's not just one site, but the server which you've chosen to associate your account with, they could see your messages. So if you're messaging someone, just be aware someone else could read that. And to their credit, they actually display a message saying, don't share any sensitive information over Mastodon and don't, you know, on your direct messages, you know, don't say something which you wouldn't want someone else to see. Instead, you what you should do, of course, is use a secure messaging system like Signal. Another thing that we've tried to get people to switch to but hasn't reached critical mass, so everyone's on bloody WhatsApp instead, owned by Mark Zuckerberg or some other ghastliness. Right, so that's a fairly simple message, right, which is that the messages aren't encrypted. They could be read by someone else, the direct messages. But mm -hmm. there's a bigger danger with Mastodon direct messages. So imagine this. Imagine that me and Maria are talking on Mastodon, right? In a direct right. message. I'm going, you know what Crowell did yesterday? Let me tell you what Crowell did. You won't believe it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if I had gone, oh, that bloody at Crowell, right? If I'd mentioned your username with the little at symbol in front of it, it copies you in on the bloody message. Isn't that, doesn't Twitter do that? Not in a direct message, it doesn't. Ah, I see. I see. Yes. So you're, you think you're alone in your little world and then right. I'm suddenly just hoovered in right. Right. to see the message of you bitching about me. Okay. Exactly. Or complaining. Exactly. Yeah. So this is specifically about you, Carol. Uh, it doesn't happen with any other username. It's specifically if anyone's, no, of course it does. It happens with any username. So if you mention anyone else, so the example, I've written a, a blog post about this and I'm imagining that the Beatles are arguing at Abbey Road, for instance. And George and Paul are bantering around, slagging off Ringo's drumming. And they make the mistake of tagging Ringo. And before you know it, the Liverpool lover from Liverpool you know, can see that his bandmates are slagging him off. This is a very good reason to have, um, have nicknames for people like the dweeb. or. Uh... <laughs> but, but imagine this. Imagine you weren't just slagging off a friend. Imagine you were saying, I've just received a really creepy message from this user or from this guy. And you included his account name in the person you were telling it to, like, watch out for this guy. 
he just posted a dick pic at me or something. Yeah. Yeah. And he would then get included on in that, which you don't want. So if it, so there, there is a serious side to this. It's not just a bit of, oh dear. It, suddenly your abuser could know that you're complaining about them. Is this something they're dealing with or is this something? This has been the case for years. And I hmm. don't know if there are any plans. I mean, as it becomes more mainstream, I think historically they've kind of thought, well, we warn people about this and we tell people, you know, don't do these things because it could be. It's more of a conceptual way of how these so-called direct messages work, I think, because it's really a post. It's really a post which you've said only this person with this user ID can see. So if you mention someone else's user ID, it includes them on the visibility to the post. Yes. Does that make sense? I completely understand what you're saying. I think our listeners are are probably following too. What I'm wondering is why offer direct message at all? Because that's not what it should be called. Yeah. It's more like, um, I don't know. What is it? Yeah. I think people are expecting a direct message facility because they're used to it from other services. But um, it's a problem. I, I would like to see them somehow address i would call it mini broadcast right instead of a mega broadcast yeah yeah maybe a silent but deadly toot perhaps something which warns people i don't i don't yeah i'm not sure about the name toot i think that's also uh that boat has sailed that boat has sailed where are they from where's who from macedon where was it conceived uh, a German guy originally. Oh, well. But now it's it's open source. They're very the whole funny world. people. So. They, they are. They are. They're in they are. A bit of tooting, you know, all that sort of thing. So, okay. I think that's quite a biggie for people to be aware yep. of. Because you jump in, you think it's just a Twitter replacement, and suddenly. Uh-uh. Don't bitch about Corral. Yeah. Right. You never know. I might be on there. <laughs> okay. Now, another one. Elon Musk keeps talking about verified accounts, right? He's got them of embroiled and all of that, the so-called blue tick thing, flogging it to people. And blue ticks have historically been given to public figures, celebrities, top cybersecurity podcasters, that kind of thing, journalists, that sort of thing, to verify their identity. Of course, he's now going to be charging. People want to be verified on Mastodon as well, to say, yes, this really is me, right? This isn't a fake, Graham, clearly. Mm-hmm. Some people, I saw Maria Vermasis do this, she added an emoji of a blue tick to the end of her username. So every time her name appears, you also see a, the blue tick symbol. Yeah. It's actually a white tick on a blue background, but you get the I mean, idea. it's very clever, but it's not like someone couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But to the casual user, they might be fooled by that. Well, don't be fooled by that or any other kind of emoji. Mm-hmm. But what Mastodon does do is it doesn't have a, a verified program like Twitter used to. It does let you self-verify yourself. So what you can do is in your profile, you can include links like a link to your website, for instance, if you have one. And so I link to my website. I say, here's my website, grandclude.com, blah, 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 right? Meanwhile, on my website, that links back to my Mastodon account. And so the two see each other and it says, oh, Graham is pointing here and he's pointing back to here. And because only Graham presumably can administer his website, this must be the real Graham. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's that's rather cute. Yeah. So so you can at least see, if you go to someone's profile and look in their about information, if they have something there, which they haven't just included a link, but it's got a little green tick about it, that means that it's been verified as they actually have control over that domain. 
So I have control over grahamcluley.com, for instance. And if we created a smashing security a Mastodon account, we would, we would do the same thing with that as well. So why else is this important? And I, this is my final really big tip on Mastodon, is you are leaping onto Mastodon and you're looking for people to follow. And maybe you're looking for famous people. Maybe you're looking for celebrities that you used to follow on Twitter, because that was a big reason why people like to use Twitter to see what celebs were doing. Well, it's really easy for anyone right now to create an account using the names of famous people on Mastodon, people who may not have established a presence on Mastodon. So make sure you go to their profile and look for a verified link to their official website, one with the little green tick mark, because otherwise it might be a fraudster who's at work. And they could post disinformation, cryptocurrency scams, malicious links, whatever it might be. So just be careful because I think what happens is people go onto Mastodon, they're looking for people to follow, and Lord knows how many people right now are creating accounts in the name of Elon Musk. Mm. So it's pretty fun. I think play with it, but be careful. Obviously, the usual rules apply for any website you're posting on. Be wary of links that are shared. Don't trust everything you read. Never share your password. Take care about being fished. Or, and you know, course, take a break from social media. Oh, Just yes. calm down a bit. Well, it's easy for you to say, Carol. Why? Because I'm on the other side saying, hey, guys, it's really fun. I also say that about, you know, yoga. I mean, you're just better than us. You're better than I'm all of the rest of us. I'm not better than you. You guys are just in some weird warpville. I wouldn't believe all that stuff people have been writing about you on Mastodon uh, in my direct messages. Mm. I, I, don't worry about it. I'm not. Don't worry about it. <laughs> nice try, though. Carol, what have you got for us this week? Do you remember Hush Puppy? Hush Puppy with an I. Ray Hush Puppy. Not the things you put on your feet. You're talking about the, this guy was an extraordinary Instagram influencer who got into a spot of bother. Um, if you tell the whole story right now, it's going to be quite a short story. Just want you to know that. Right. <laughs> Just go, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Hush Puppy. Yeah, I, Ray Hush Puppy. I remember him. Yes. I think we talked about him before, haven't we? Do you yes. remember his real name? No, 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 no. Raymond Abbas. Okay, ah, Raymond Abbas. Nice. And quite the Instagram influencer, wasn't he? Insta. He was Instaman. He had all the luxury brands. He was flying around the place, yeah. Yeah, two and a half million followers. So mm. not bad. And yeah, most of his stuff on his site seemed to be him looking really rather smug, very well-groomed. With that kind of shiny complexion that can only come from, I don't know what the rich put on their skin. You know, spoiled, deserving, looking deserving. Yeah. And maybe you're just saying this is why people join social media to go look at these kind of people. So he has two million followers because people want to see pictures of a smug, rich, spoiled and deserving looking person. Is that right? You're being a little bit unfair. Kroll, he's, he's having a fantastic life. He's seeing the world. If you are living in Doncaster and it's raining all the time, you might want to see someone having a fantastic time on a private jet, flying to Paris, expensive watches. You may just like, oh, that's, that's great. How good for him, you know, guy having a great old time. Just watch a travel ad. Well, I suppose. The thing is, when you look at this, it's going, well, where are you getting all your money? Right? This is an expensive lifestyle. We're, we're talking, you know, yachts and, you know, swanky cars and the clothes and the threads and everything. 
And he publishes this, of course, by cybercrime and money laundering, specifically BEC scams, because hush pups, oh. hush pups isn't into lonely grannies anymore. Hang on, hang on. Are you, are you on first name terms yeah, with hush pups? Uh, well, mind you, you're not call him Ray. You call him hush pups. Yeah, that's my nickname. This for is him. Uh, okay. Hush correct. pups. You yeah. see, now I can gossip about him on Mastodon, and he would never be the wiser. You see, smart. Anyway, hush pups. He's not into lonely grannies anymore. This is how apparently he cut his teeth, though, in the cyber underworld. Mm. But now he's into the big time, where the fishies are fatter, juicier, richer. And he used these BEC compromises to do businesses, you know, and you know how it works. You know, you pretend you're someone legit in order to get someone to hand over money to you, right? And then they feel screwed. Yeah. So this is where companies are fooled into transferring money into a scammer's bank account because they think right. it's someone they're doing business with. Also. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. you know, I was thinking when I was writing this, I was like, what's worse? Is it worse if I duped you into giving me all your money? Versus me sneaking into your house and stealing all your money. What's worse? Uh, well, I wouldn't hopefully store all of my money at home. Okay. Uh, but, but, so, are, you, are you having an asthma attack? What's going on? No. Uh, let's just, could we just... I would, of course, have many different accounts around the world, and it would be very difficult, in fact, impossible for you to get all my money. However, to answer your question... <laughs> I wouldn't want Ray Hush Puppy coming into my home that'd be quite scary in the middle of the night i wouldn't enjoy that no i wouldn't want anyone coming into my house uninvited but being duped is extra because you still end up with no cash yeah but someone's basically snaked their way into your trust field and convinced you to give them all, their, all yeah. your money yeah and the thing is that you know hush hushy was quite successful oh. at his uh new nickname <laughs> at his criminal craft to the tune of 24 million buckaroos. On top of that, he has been called uh, one of the most prolific money launderers in the world. Wow. We've talked about some of these things before, but yeah. he helped his handful of cohorts to launder millions of pounds stolen from a premier football club in the UK. Right. He also got a New York-based uh, law firm to transfer nearly... $923,000 to a criminal account. This, this is how he affords his fast cars and the like, right? Yeah. In 2019, he helped launder $14.7 million stolen by a North Korean hacker group from a bank in Malta. And he funneled the money through banks in Romania and Bulgaria. Yep. He also tried to defraud someone in Qatar by selling a $15 million loan to build a school. Um, and I said tried because this was the beginning of his downfall. And we covered this, by we I mean you, covered this in episode 265. Do you remember oh. the story? Oh, one of my favorites. Well, I, I, of course, I remember every single word that I said. <laughs> do you? No, but do you remember this one or do I, you want me to give I, you a little, little well, hint? Well, maybe, maybe I'd, lo I'd love to hear your telling of it, Crow, rather than, you know, people's <laughs> thought of my voice. I never remember my stories either. Isn't that crazy? So this is where Hush Puppy and co. apparently faked the financing of a Qatari school by playing the roles of bank officials and creating a bogus website. And he and one of his conspirators, Vinny, Vinny fell out mid-swindle. Hey, hey, Vinny, Vinny. Yeah, that's exactly what you did on that show as well, because I listened to it earlier today. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and Vinny got pissed off with him and he snitched. Oh. On Hush Puppy to the Qatari target. 
But then Hush Puppy bribed a fellow Nigerian Instagram influencer, Dirty Super Cop, to bring Vinny down. Okay, you can hear the whole story in episode 265, because it is a crazy story. You couldn't make it up. It is an extraordinary story. Yeah. And he was, he was tied up with the North Koreans, as you said, and the, the Lazarus group. And it, it's, there's, there's more to read about this, uh, um, in Jeff White's book as well. If you, if you get, grab a copy of the Lazarus heist. Yeah. yeah. Plug you for you, Jeff. Yes. Good plug. Good plug. Um, anywho, Hush Puppy, Aka Ramon Abbas, he was arrested in 2020 in Dubai, mm-hmm. then flown to the U.S. in June 2020 to face charges of multi-million dollar fraudulent schemes, including bank cyber heists. In 2021, he reportedly pleaded guilty to money laundering in an L.A. court. Mm-hmm. And this week he was scheduled for sentencing. And before getting a sentencing, he worked very hard to get his sentence reduced. Well, that's what I was thinking. Cause you said he was found guilty in 2021. And he's only been sentenced now. Mm-hmm. I suspect in the interim, mm-hmm. he has been helping the authorities a little bit. Yes, he may have been helping the authorities, but he's also um, begging. Oh. So 40-year-old Hush Puppy has personally sent a handwritten letter to the judge giving assurances that he is a changed person and promising to make full restitution in excess of the benefits he derived from the crimes to the victims. Hmm. Which I'm sure if you parse that legally means probably not doing too much of that. Apparently, two imams also wrote to the judge in Los Angeles appealing for leniency, saying he regularly helped out widows and orphans, as well as donating things to feeding programs. Yeah. And his wife wrote in too, saying his arrest has plunged her into hardship, noting that she has to do overtime in order to pay for their children's private education. I bet you feel her pain, Clue. She could possibly send them to state-funded schools instead, <laughs> couldn't she? Uh, if she's really hard up. She, she could. Yeah, if you're feeling hard up, that is the solution, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So this guy is now saying, I'm a real Robin Hood. I did hone my skills by duping and robbing our grannies and then went to businesses. But please, please, pretty, please, please. However, he was still sentenced to what they were expecting, 11 years. Ooh. And he sports a $2 million restitution hole in his pocket, which needs to pay back. So there you go. Do you trust him? Do you think he's changed? Do you think he's uh, turned a new leaf, become a good guy? Well, he's got 11 years to ponder about it, hasn't he? And, you know. Like, what's annoying is he stole tons of money. It's not like he was giving all this money to good, to good uh, causes. No. Right? He's obviously helped a few people, but he did hurt a huge amount of people and businesses. And then showed off. Yes. And, and what, think about all those poor Instagram followers who are no longer going to be entertained. Is he going to be, is he going to be posting pictures or is he going to be tooting from the prison cell, I wonder? Will Hush Puppy be hushed up? Find out next time. (laughs) (laughs) He'll have fun smuggling the phone in, I expect. (laughs) That's what normally occurs, from what I've been told. We all know that data is the most important asset of any business, and the value and usage of information makes data very tempting to thieves. 
With Sealit, however, you can protect, share, and monitor confidential emails and files without passwords, and it's all integrated with Gmail, Outlook, and file systems. Deploy Sealit across your organization within minutes and achieve peace of mind thanks to its end-to-end encryption that relies on the zero-trust security model. Get the right tool to own your data and gain great Sealit benefits. Plus, Sealit is offering a very special deal for all Smashing Security listeners. Anyone who signs up for the professional plan before 2nd of December 2022 can grab 30% off Sealit for a year. And if you sign up to Sealit, listeners can also grab a free Sealit signature No Trust t-shirt. Woohoo! Check out more about Sealit and take advantage of these offers at smashingsecurity.com slash Sealit. That's smashingsecurity.com slash L-I-T. And thanks to Sealit for supporting the show. Smashing security listeners, did you know that Bitwarden is the only open source cross-platform password manager that can be used at home, on the go, or at work? Bitwarden's password manager securely stores credentials spanning across personal and business worlds. And every Bitwarden account begins with the creation of a personal vault, which allows you to store all your personal credentials. These are unique and secure passwords for every single account you access. And it's easy to set up. It's easy to use. I honestly love Bitwarden. I use it at home, use it at work, use it on the go. Get started with a free trial of a Teams or Enterprise plan at bitwarden.com forward slash smashing. Or you can even try it for free across devices as an individual user. Check it out at bitwarden.com forward slash smashing. And thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring the show. The challenge with endpoint security has always been that it's difficult to scale. And when remote work took over, that challenge got exponentially harder. You need visibility into your fleet of devices in order to meet security goals and reduce service desk tickets. But how do you get that visibility when different parts of your company run on Mac, Windows and Linux? Well, you get Collide. Collide is an endpoint security solution that gives IT teams a single dashboard for all devices, regardless of operating system. Collide gives you real-time access to your fleet's data and can do things that traditional MDMs can't. And instead of installing intrusive agents or locking down devices, Collide takes a user-focused approach that communicates security recommendations to your workers directly on Slack. You can answer every question you have about your fleet without intruding on your workforce. Visit collide.com slash smashing to find out how. If you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash smashing. And thanks to Clyde for sporting the show. And welcome back. And you join us our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. Last night, I popped out onto the puddled streets of Oxford to go to the cinema to see a film. In the cinema? What is this, 1999? In the cinema. Actually, they're surrounded by people 
Someone actually was chomping on popcorn. There was a lady in front of the popcorn chomper who got very upset and turned around. This isn't as dramatic a story as to what happened to you, Carol, in the Viennese opera. But uh, no. it was... But No, but obviously really dramatic in a movie theatre that someone says, do hush with the popcorn eating. For Oxford, it was quite dramatic. Anyway, I was there to see a movie, a movie starring Bill Nye. Is that how you say Bill it? Nye. Bill yeah. Bill Nikai. Yeah. And uh, I, li- I like Bill Nye. Do you like Bill Nye? Me Nighy? too. Yes. Yeah, I, do. I don't great, know why, but I've always liked him. He's just got that irascible sort of yeah. rogue sort of thing about him, hasn't he? He talks a bit. That's quite a, quite a good impression. Did he do the Nescafe ads? Did he do those? Or that's the other one? I mix them up with some. Are you thinking, of, uh, are you thinking of the professor from Buffy? He used to yeah. do them. Yeah, I, I, was, yeah, so I, I mix them up. But I think Bill Nye did. Did Bill Nye do them too? Probably I don't not. remember Bill Nye doing, <laughs> doing, doing coffee adverts, but maybe he has. Anyway, the movie I saw was called Living, L-I-V-I-N-G. And Bill Nye's not doing his usual shtick of being Bill Nye. I think quite often he's asked to be Bill Nye, right? He's got certain quirks about him. What? I've seen him in Love Actually, and I've seen him in About Time, and I've seen him in Doctor Who. And, you know, I think he's, I think he's got quite a lot going for him, but he's quite often a little bit, you know, sort of like aging rock star kind of thing. Anyway, he is superb in this. He gives such a measured, gentle, quiet, unshow-offy performance. And he's actually That's what he always does. He, well, he's excellent at it. All right. I think he's, I think he's doing something different in this one. Anyway, let me oh, tell you? you about okay. the story. It is set in the 1950s. And it is uh, set in London, and Bill Nye is working at uh, the London City Council, as it was then, and he's told that he has a fatal illness. He's going to die, right? He's only got six months to live. And... Is this a comedy? (laughs) (laughs) And um, it inspires him to change some of his life and cram a bit of fun in and spread a little bit of good. Oh, are you getting and a message before you get on your announcement? You're going to start having fun what? now? What? Before start I get, living the dream? Before I go to the doctors, you think? Um, it's rather lovely. And he meets a uh, he meets up with a sunny, young female colleague. I pictured you and me, actually, Crow. I thought, here I am. Here I am, the aging, irascible veteran. And yeah. the, the young, flighty thing, you. And uh, she has all this pep. She has all this vim and zest. And it ignites something. And they don't get off. There's no smuttiness going on. There is a belly dancer at one point. But other than that, there's nothing like that. But it's lovely. The screenplay is by Kazuyu Ishiguru, who did The Remains of the Day. And it is based upon a film which came out in 1952 in Japan called Ikiru. Yes. Which Kazuyu Ishiguru loved. And apparently that is based on a story by Leo Tolstoy from 1886. But anyway, it is a delightful movie. Um, I really liked it. It's called Living, and I recommend it. Right. And how are you? There are no superheroes. There's no great big punch-ups. There's no car chases. And that's how I like my movies. Well, you're not going to like my pick of the week. Oh, what's your (laughs) pick of the week, Crow? Well, mine is Netflix series called Cleo. I think I've told you about this. I don't know if you've dived in yet, Clue. Cleo like Cleopatra? Is this set in Egypt thousands uh, no. of years ago? K-L-E-O. So it's actually set in Berlin 
late 80s, early 90s. Oh, Berlin in the 80s, I see. And we have Helle Hase. She is playing Cleo Straub, who is an unregistered agent for top secret Stasi department. And her main job is to nip from East Berlin to the West to eliminate enemies of the state. Oh, this sounds juicy. Yes. And she does this with a cold, calculating, unflinching demeanor, right? So she's a real killer machine. Does she do kickboxing or anything like that? Well... Does she do a high kick? She's just got that real kind of stillness about her when she's in the zone. It's, you know... Uh, uh, But then she morphs into like quirky, cute, sassy... Okay. Uh, kind of character. So it's a bit villanelli from Killing Eve. Oh, Killing Eve. Yes, yes. Because yes. she's so, an assassin, isn't she? Yes. Oh, yeah. So wonderful, it has a similar, similar hook to that, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And basically, Cleo uh, wants revenge on all those that hurt her. And she mm. finds unusual sidekicks to help her along because it's pretty, you know, it's a bit of a thriller, killer, revenge story until these two who provide a bit of comedic relief um, show up in the story. So you have Philo. He's kind of, I think, the metaphor for West Germany because he's kind of just this <laughs> kid junkie. Philo as in pastry? No, Philo as in T-H-I-L-O. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this uh, cop. There's this cop, undercover cop from the West that she meets up with called Sven. And they both end up bringing um, unusual twists to the story. Mm. And of course, the backdrop is late 80s, early 90s. So the walls coming a tumbling and the entire communist regime is falling apart in East Berlin. And the production is stylish, edgy, fun. And this is a series, is it? On yeah, Netflix? it's a series. There's eight parts. I really enjoyed it. If you like Killing Eve and Miss It, this is a very good substitute. Mm. So that is Cleo, and you can find it on Netflix, and that is my pick of the week. So there you are. You can choose between (laughs) 1980s Berlin Assassin uh, or my civil servant having a very quiet, gentle time as he faces his end. I think it says a lot about our personalities, Clue. It really does, doesn't it? It It really really does. does. And that just about wraps up the show for this week. You can follow us on Twitter. We're still there. We haven't created a Mastodon account yet. At Smash Insecurity. No G. It wouldn't allow us to have a G. And we also have a Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget, we would love you to never miss another episode. And the way to do that is to follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And huge, huge thank you to this episode's sponsors, Bitwarden, Collide, and Sealit, and of course to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, contact and sponsor information, and free access to the last 296 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio, bye-bye. Bye. Toodaloo. have a little idea for you. Why don't you walk me through creating a Mastodon account and we could record the process and all my feelings 
and all the frustrations and we can slap it up for our Patreon listeners. So if anyone wants to create one, they can do one with you telling them how to do it. We could do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? As a kind of maybe yeah. Xmas special or something. Yeah, that could be fun as well. Right. You'd get exasperated with me. Oh, and I suspect you with me as well. Patreon supporters, you like this idea? Let us know.